You are listening to the Firecracker Podcast with Tony Rico. All right, well, we've got our dear, great friend, Mr. Derek Allister, and uh, Ms. Joanne was here quickly, briefly. She fled. She was almost like your, I don't know, your attorney, your, I don't know, came in, <laughs> walked, you in walked you into the room, and then she quickly disappeared. But, yeah. you know, it was great for that. We got to see her real quickly. I'll say hi to her and catch yep. up with her in a little bit. But welcome back to the studio, Thank Derek. You. Thanks. Appreciate great to being be back here. in here. And I really appreciate, you're always so humble when you say, hey, you know, if you got any time, I'd really like to do a podcast. Oh, but man. The, the door is open always for you, sir. And well, be careful what you, that's okay. That's what right. you offer I there. get myself in trouble. Because I like to talk. Yeah, that's okay. I get myself in trouble all the time. Yesterday, we're at um, lunch with uh, Doug Myers and Don Menard. And, and uh, Doug had kind of shared some personal business of one of the coaches at the table. And then he looked at the coach, coach and he said, you should not have ever told me that, which means if you tell me that, you know, I'm just going to tell everybody anyway. So I got it. Anyways, welcome back. And uh, we're in the middle of a kind of a great, interesting fall that we're going to get to a little bit, but I always like to try to catch up, uh, catch us up with people and kind of either reintroduce mm -hmm. or make sure that people understand why we're doing this, what our relationship really is, where it comes from. So, you know, the first thing I'd like to ask you is just, you know, now we've got on-deck softball and on-deck measurements. Yes. Yeah. One in the same, different? No, One's, very different. Yeah. Very different. Um, Everything you know, started the, with on-deck softball. The genesis is the same, but now they're very different. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, everything started with on-deck softball, which was based on my basketball recruiting models. Mm -hmm. You know, from my history as being a basketball coach. Um, so and, and made, the way that you took notes as you evaluated players, or was well, it an actual service within basketball? Oh, that's interesting you say that. Yeah, because there's no question when I evaluate players, there's a basketball influence. Mm -hmm. uh, I, get, I, I, I get told all the time by Joanne and Heather and everybody, oh, you know, you look for certain types. Mm -hmm. And that's probably true. Sure. You know, because um, basketball has a different different look than football or wrestling or whatever. So To me, what's always been amazing is the size of the basketball players and the agility and dexterity that they have to. They have to perform every type of move athletically yes. that there is. And with, given their size, it's amazing. So right. how would you describe what you look for, how it compares to well. Well, I think background. I think that long linear look, you know, yeah. I, I think that has something to do with athleticism. Mm -hmm. That being said, maybe the greatest athletes in the athletic world are those offensive, defensive linemen in football. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when you combine weight and strength and speed and yeah. explosion, I mean, those people are and they continue to get bigger, faster, and stronger. Yes, yeah, and most of it legally now, but that's crazy how it yeah. continues to. Remember the first three hundred pound lineman? Uh, oh yeah. Was it Ogden or uh, yeah. something like but that? He but he was, was like a freak. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Now. And now that's what they look like. And they almost look normal. Yeah. You know, because they're so well proportioned. Yeah. But Until um, I stand next to one of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, when I was coaching in college, you know, we'd run into the football guys. And they're massive. I mean, we coach tall guys. Yeah. Um, but then you run into those football offensive linemen and – as you get closer, they just get bigger. You know, yeah. it's like 
coming up to a house. Right, right. You know, you look at it from a distance, it looks okay. And then as you get closer, it's like, whoa. And then when you see the level of athleticism to that translates to NCAA, and then that level of tra- uh, athleticism that translates to the NFL or the yeah. NBA, you know, and now even, you know, baseball wasn't always known as you had to be super athletic and you could play it, you know, right. get away with things back in the day. But now even that's a very athletic, there's some great specimens. So, yeah. so that model coming over from, you know, the way that you evaluated players fit nicely because I always believe that in softball we need models to come in to show us how to do things. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's true in any sport. You know, you talk about baseball. When you look at Trout and, you know, those guys judge, those are big dudes. Right. You know, it used to be yeah. baseball players were like smaller. Sure. Not, not smaller, shorter. Could look like your average Joe walking you're, down the street, right? You're a regular right? guy, yeah. Right. Right. And now there are these, these guys that, could play basketball or or whatever that are pretty long and strong and um, those, see those more more athletes today that seem to enter sports almost with the business mindset, you know. So mm-hmm. I compare to you know kids playing a sport from their four or five years old and really loving what they're doing, and then it all manifesting maybe to a professional level. But I think today you have more athletes that maybe didn't love the sport that they're in the profession of right now. They just were playing it. They're very good. Maybe a you know, they have some genetics and, and things just, I mean, who's not going to spot a, a six foot four, you know, specimen that can run a right. four something 40 or this or that. But there seems right. to be more business athletes today than ever before. Yeah. Well, wasn't Todd Marinovich, wasn't he one of the yeah. first that yeah, was developed by his dad? Yeah. There you right, go. right here out of yeah. Orange County, yeah. I think. And that has to go hand in hand with knowing that you have an ability per, to provide for your family for a long time. Right. So that's how everything kind of escalated. When you look back at the salaries of the baseball players back in the 70s, <laughs> and I know everything's relative, yeah. but I think of one time I saw a post on like the Cincinnati Reds, the big red machine from the mid-70s, mm-hmm. and the salaries of those players, which we could probably look it up, but by, by today's standard, you'd say, wow. Right. You know, the wonder yeah. Pete Rose is you know, signing autographs for a little cash on the side and stuff. So. Yeah. I mean, and they used to go get jobs in the off season. Yeah. You know, yeah. back in yeah. the day. Yeah. That was it. I they mean, were, when you think about that, that's working. crazy. So I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't have a strong opinion about this, but I think, boy, for what all of those players did for this great sport, I'd just like to know, and I know they have pension plans and things like that, but I'd like to know that their their place is secured in the sport because where would we be without it? You oh, know, yeah. nowadays with the obstruction and things like that, we wouldn't have Pete Rose, right? Right. What would have happened to those plays at, at home plate? And, uh, and, <laughs> that's really true. Yeah. yeah. It seems really like true. right now that you know that the field or the base runners sliding right into the base, no longer you know right. coming out. Remember when? Um, I think it was Reggie Jackson in the 76 or 77 series against the Dodgers. And he was on first base and it was a double play ball. And he just hung out by first base. He didn't run to second base and he stayed and he waited for the ball to be thrown. Yep. Remember? And it hit him in the arm. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's right. Did you happen to see any of the game last night, the Dodger game? We watched a little of it, but. Went pretty late. Yeah. You know, and. I'm getting older. You, get, you know, I, I don't stay up rest. quite as long as I used to. Uh, well, the their pitcher, uh, Hill, laid down one of the few bunts that you see nowadays. It came from the pitcher, but he's so competitive. He was running inside the baseline, and as the ball was coming by him going to the first baseman, he kind of waved his hand like he was trying to swat the ball right. down, something you would do in kickball or something you would do right. like out on, on, the, on the playground or something like that. Wow. A little, little different sense of competitiveness. Now, now there's one thing about that, you know, 
Joanne is a huge San Francisco Giant fan. So it's tough to get those Dodgers on the Alistair. Yeah, I understand. Television. But you did come in with a nice shade of, I know it's on deck blue, but I'm going to call Absolutely. it Dodger blue today. Okay. Because yeah, I'll that, give that yeah. to you. Last night was, if anyone's on, anyone, I know a lot of people watching, but it was so <laughs> torturous last night because, uh, you know, they were striking out. Uh, Milwaukee, their pitching was just ridiculously good. And the announcers kept yeah. pointing that out. And I haven't seen so many swings and misses in a wow. long time. And so it was, it was a, not a very satisfying process it was kind of like wow and you naturally are kind of waiting for the end to be bad and then they just like the beautiful game of baseball and softball turned around turned it on run around first wild pitch yeah. and that's where you say give me a tweener give me a bleeder yeah a, a lousy single and actually bellinger hit it pretty hard through the gap and then the bang bang play at home and kind of reminds me of the the softball uh college world series some of those games are so exciting and yeah. it's like derek we couldn't script them any better Right, you know, really couldn't. So right. let's get back a little bit to, to on deck. You know, um, would you do you, you guys have a mission statement when you created this? You and Joanne was it? What was no. really the the what was your really purpose though? You were you wanted to relay the information you had. I mean, how did you how did it develop into the business? You, you know, it, it it grew into a business. When we started, we were just out to have fun. Yeah. You know, um, I had been the basketball coach. Joanne had coached softball. We were both living at Lake Tahoe then, and went back to teaching high school and um and I'd always said hey you know we should take some of these basketball ideas and put them in softball um as we were watching Heather and Jessica get mm -hmm. recruited mm -hmm. and so we just did it on a lark mm -hmm. you know I th I think we had five coaches that we worked with initially and and, and those are just people you had relationships yeah. with and you would just talk the game it wasn't that you were pitching your business we, now, we, we'd go out and watch because we, we enjoyed watching, so we'd drive down to Southern California and watch games, and then on the way back, I'd write up a report, and we'd send it to those five coaches. And 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 they paid us like $50 a year. Well, and and that was very minimal because, again, the noble approach with a lot of us, the beginning is because we all do it for the right reasons, right. Uh, contrary to maybe some popular belief nowadays, but really <laughs> doing things for, for the right reasons. Absolutely. And so just offering that information. But the the relationship part of this, the, the you know, there's something I heard on a TED talk and it makes a lot of sense, but people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And so mm -hmm. if you even look at recruiting businesses, you know, people will come to me and, hey, I've got this recruiting service, I've got this great, something that's valuable. And there's a lot of good things with it. And, and I try to inform them that, you know, you're entering a very saturated market, everybody, yeah. you know, and I get it. There's a lot of people here and there's a lot of people that need the services, but ultimately wouldn't you advise to build the relationship with either coaches, with Absolutely. the people of the industry, that, right? That's what life's all about, the relationships, you know, and I think the people who get in trouble are the ones who are looking for the quick buck, yeah. you know, because it doesn't happen quickly. I, you know, coming back to ODM, we... Um, split that off a number of years ago. We started it, I think, eight years ago, maybe going on nine. Mm -hmm. And again, it was just to answer a need, and we we just put money into it, not expecting any return, and then it started picking up steam. And But still, it just kind of went along, and right. it, it got bigger and bigger, those numbers in the college world. And then within the last 18 months, whoo, baby. Yeah. I mean, it, it has blown up huge. And why would you say because of the recognition of, of testing, the rec the need, mm -hmm. the, the increased value? I mean, why would you say it's, it's continued I, to pick up speed? And Well, like everything, I, th I think once people realize the significance 
of it, um, then it becomes valuable. You know, so the college coaches recognized that they could understand a little bit more about the players that they had and that they were recruiting and that's by important. knowing these numbers. That's important to asking when asked the question, well, why? Why should we test? Like we have the camp this weekend, mm-hmm. right? And, and you know, me yeah. understanding the cost efficiency and fighting for the dollar. And so right. why? why? Why do we need to pay for this? Why do we? And there's always, I always want people to understand things. Excuse me, because we only want to provide things that are, are of value. Right. But that is the question, is that it does increase your player's uh, Absolutely. value. Uh, well, I think on two levels. You know, last weekend when we were out at Rosette Canyon, um, I had two World Series coaches, head coaches, say on that first day, Derek, when are we going to get those numbers? And so tremendous value of the college coach. Mm-hmm. But for the player and the parent, um it provides those numbers to the college coach, but it also gives them a baseline. Sure. You know, uh, we, we have averages for junior high, high school, you know, ninth, 10th, 11th grade averages. We have um, college averages for D1, D2, D3. Uh, so I think if you're a parent and a young lady, you look at those averages, you look at your scores and you say, wow, I'm really good at this or wow, you know, I'm a long ways away from this level. and. Sure. And so then, hey, how do we fix that? How do we get better? You know, that's what it's all about. And that value is important because of everyone in the market trying to be recruited. So right. even though the structure has changed, thankfully, but there's still, you're still trying to create a competitive edge. So anything and everything that you can do. So on our end of it, we still want to advise and guide people and help them reduce their cost overall, but be right. efficient to where they are plugging in because uh, often it's not the glamour of something that's really expensive that might be plugged into a, this big, vast network, but it's really the reliability that you have. And again, I'll go back to the the relationships and the credibility that you've um, developed in the industry. And again, that started with just talking with people. Yes. Not yeah. not not selling players. No, not, not at all. Not pushing information, but having conversations. And then people because, and again, I want coaches to really understand this because, you know, if our coaches walk up right away to a college coach and right away the first thing is, you know, introduce and then stick a profile in their face, you're, you're kind of disconnecting a little bit, you know. And, right. and I always encourage them to look, develop, thank them for being there, let them know where all your information is. If they need anything, they know where to get Absolutely. it as opposed to the hard sell because in the end that creates that little bit of tension. And I, I think people could really benefit by understanding this approach that you've taken. Um, you know, we've tried to take it not only with, with our players and people in the organization, but with our competitors, people right. we compete with on the field, which we're, we'll talk about here in a little bit. But in the end, it, it's deeper and, right. and, and it's more effective. What, what are you testing? So what exactly are the tests that... Uh, so we have sprint testing, the 10, 20, and 40. Um, we have a 5, 10, 5 shuttle, which comes out of the football world. Um, but it's very, very good for softball. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have all the bat metrics from Blast. We use Blast, mm-hmm. which is, I think, the best unit going these days. Mm-hmm. And what um, do you what do you like about Blast? Why would you say that? What's is it? I I think the numbers are very, very consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're real. You know, anytime you get into all that, all all that technology, A lot of metrics, right? Yeah, you know, you always kind of wonder. Um, whether it's right. And, and I realize they've tested thousands and thousands of, of people and, um, you know, certainly smarter people than I right. put that all together. Right. But, but you always wonder, right. you know, but the, the um, results come back very consistent. 
and they kind of match up with the eye test where where we look at it and go, yeah, that <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah. You know, and kind of like pieces of the pie. You're instead of the whole pie as the whole player, you're you're kind of creating pieces so you can yes. see test scores. You know, we have the tap mm-hmm. test. You know, the behavioral stuff, yeah. the, the psychological air, area, and so it gives a more detailed p- uh, picture of that player. Of the player, right. w- without question. Right. Because again, we're not eliminating people. Right. You know, I mean, there there are um, shortstops who have huge arms. There are shortstops who have, you know, lesser arms, but ultra quick releases um there are third basemen that bang at 280 there are great defensive third basemen you know there's all sorts of players so we're not eliminating people by that um we're just showing them what their strengths are highlighting different strengths and then showing where their weaknesses which allows a college coach to say look i've already got this I need this, you know, because exactly. in the end, it's a complement of everything, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, and you bring up the TAP test, which is that mental assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, it's something that if a coach knows um, what the young lady, what the player is all about, what makes her tick, then it's easier to work sure. with that work with that person. That's really an inside look to the player. Now, yes. that's, that's taking a look. And again, with mm-hmm. all of the projects and all the great things that we have rolling out, that's still something that we have to get behind and push yeah. out. I know I've got it connected with our coaches. Rob has been amazing. Rob Pike, the, the founder, and he's just been oh, amazing to work with. Yeah. Uh, he uh, assimilates and he customizes things for us. We've got a, a tab on our, on our website for it. So but that's another area that these players can gain advantage. And again, right. I want our parents and families that are listening to this to understand that there's a cost of doing business in softball. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't mean that you need to refine, finance your house to right. cover everything. And so, you know, where where do we advise to spend their money? If you don't spend it, uh, I tell our coaches sometimes it's, you can sit in the window at Starbucks and use the internet and people can see you there, but have you really experienced Starbucks? And for maybe some, maybe for some people, that's what it is. It's like our, our certain organizations, excuse me, or attending certain uh, camps, but are you really investing in what that is there for? Because there are, there are certain um, services and products that, yeah, if you invest, you're going to increase your value. And that's, that's what I believe our families and people need because where do they get sound advice? You know, keeping up with the softball Joneses can put you on the wrong side of things really fast. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, if you don't choose wisely, yeah. you know. Uh, but but I think there's so much value in quality things. Um, you know, we, we had the event this last weekend, and, and we had almost 100 coaches, I think, come through there. Um, and, and let's it was it was the, the Southern California Organizational Challenge. Yes. I'm, I'm never good with titles and, yeah, and things. Yeah, I'm not good. At that. The first time that we brought it down here, and what your idea was, your vision was to, and you and you had done this already mm-hmm. in, in Northern California. Yeah, well, something similar to it, mm-hmm. but not to this extent. We didn't have the comp- competition, and I I thought that tournament on Sunday was super. Yeah. Well, tell, yeah. so tell tell me what what your vision was, and because this was a great weekend, yeah. it really turned so, out great. Um, so anyway. Uh, I, I think when you link yourself to quality, so ev- even though we had a hundred coaches or whatever, um, I think any kid that said, Hey, they were in that perks up the ears of the college coach. You know, um, I, I remember doing something with you several years ago where we came out and tested at one of your events mm-hmm. and you made an interesting comment. You said by being, and, and this was five years ago. Right. By being in this, you're getting yourself ready to perform in front of 
the masses when that sure. time comes. Sure. And so I, I think all the things you do, providing you can afford it as a family, you know, you don't want to mortgage the house or anything, but um, I think all those things come together at some point and prove productive, providing you're doing it with quality people, quality organization. Sure, right. Um, I think that's where it starts. You start something smaller, the core of the right people, right. let it build the right way, and, it, and take it from there. You know, it's like in school. You want to run around with the successful people. Right. You or know, you are what you do hang around with. Yeah, right? exactly. Hopefully you want to hang around the successful he people. Right? Heck yeah. I mean, look, you know, I married somebody really successful yeah. and now I'm doing yeah, okay. Look you at know? that. Yeah, sure. I mean, where would I be? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's smart of you to put that out there, but totally understandable. And that's yeah. compatibility too, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. When I was coaching basketball, we part of our um, early talk to the new kids, you know, who came to our program mm -hmm. um, was, hey, Number one, get to know your professor and hang out with them. Mm -hmm. Number two, get to know the smartest people in the class and hang out with them because they're going to drive your performance right. up. There you go. You know, don't hang out in the back of the room with the guys who aren't really there to, to be students. I, I, I unfortunately had a little bit of that back of the room <laughs> classroom, but I will tell you, on the ball field, I always wanted to play catch with the guy that threw hardest. Right. I always wanted to hit with the guy that hit right. the best. You know, I was, I was, I'm, I'm a, as far as the game goes, I'm a collection of things I've just stolen my whole life from, from right. everybody and anybody in the, in the game. It's I, how we learn. Right? I think that's how you get successful. And, and, and the great thing is that I think in this game, it'll never stop. You know, you're always right. going to be able to learn something. Right. Quick point on the, uh, on to the testing. Um, we had a, we, uh, we had a NorCal player down this weekend and heard a lot of good things about her first chance. I got to really see her on the field and did really well. Behavior was great. Her hitting was great. Uh, tremendous hands. She had a ball in the five, six hole. She was playing shortstop. She kind of sidearmed, sidearmed a little bit and, um, you know, uh, could have been a stronger throw to first base. Uh -huh. <laughs> Excuse me. So we're talking, um, just talking with a couple people there and watching, and, and uh, the question came up about, does she have the arm strength? So I pulled her aside in between innings, and I said, hey, do you feel like you can, in that five, six hole, kind of come over the top a little bit more? And right. if I ask you to pop that glove at first base, do you think you can do it? And she looks at me, and she goes, yes. Like, how dare you well, ask that, me that? that's what you were talking about. Okay, and, and so, so, so I had the first baseman the next inning during the warm-up throws roll her three balls in a row, and I had her back behind second or behind the third baseman. Right. And still a little bit from the side, but but she popped the, popped the glove. So going back and, and talking skills and, and just uh, mentioning that to a coach that was there. And, and then, so I said, yeah, I think it's there. And then you walked up and you gave that kid the medal for having the second strongest arm yeah. in the uh, in the whole camp. Yeah. And so she threw it sixty six yeah. miles an hour. Yeah, and we had and so we had a follow up discussion and said, "Here's the affirmation." And so there, even though <clears throat> I was able to create a warm up drill that we could see something that what if not, and she had those scores, and that was very good information for right. to, you know to to have available. I tell you, there there's so much you can learn from that. You know, um, we see kids that are a little slow out of the blocks you know, in that 10 yard time, but then their second split, that 20 is quick. Yeah. So it's like, Hey, can we get like one step quicker? Sure. You know, then we see young kids that can't sustain their speed in that 40. And really the 40 is only home to home to second, second right. to home. And, right. and we tell the kids that coaches want you to be fast in that 40 right. because they want to score on one one hit. Right. You know, if you have to put two hits together to score somebody sure. from second, the game's pretty hard. Sure, sure, sure. You know, so um, 
we can tell if kids are strong enough to sustain their speed and yeah. and then um the exit speed obviously is how hard that ball is coming off right the bat and 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 what would you say with the exit speed for every 10 hitters how many are spiking high and i would imagine most of it's kind of like pitching most of them are in the certain miles per hour and certain exit speed range and then you got a couple that spike a little bit higher how yeah how- it really depends upon the type of hitter mm-hmm. you know when we divided them up for our um our averages we kind of separated the hitters into the bombers lauren chamberlain shelby penley those mm-hmm. kids um the the hitters for average the jessica mendoza types and then the slappers and and you get different exit speeds um you know in different combinations of bat speed and exit speed so lauren chamberlain i think swung it right around when we tested her right around 74 76 Mm -hmm. and her exit speed was right around 78 Mm -hmm. i mean that ball's coming off that bat and what would you say is the college average um, oh, that you dare. That me? That's I'm all right. Sorry. Could be the president. Could be Joanne. So you answer that. That is bad. That's okay. Okay. The college average um, for exit speed or for a bomber. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can tell you that the college average for a bomber is seventy-two miles an hour. Okay. Of the kids we've tested, yeah. Um, the the slapper is down in the sixties. I would say for the slapper who wants to create value for herself, you're, it's your full swing, right? So right. that's what you're testing is their full Absolute, swing, right? Yes. You're testing their slap yep. speed. Yep. So the importance of just being able to, you know, so many of them get self-conscious because they learn slapping a little bit late and then that the swinging away is a little bit right. more difficult. I tell them swing as hard as you can for effect, Swing as hard as you can. If you miss the ball, stand there and look at him like you're lucky I missed that. I said there aren't too many coaches that will call up or that will keep their left fielder in on the on the dirt or if their third baseman that, in your face. That's funny. I said, and if you accidentally hit it, even better. But but don't worry about hitting it, and then you've slowed your bat down. And so to just swing the bat hard. And gosh, I'll go back to well, we didn't have anything growing up. So you know, want to know the best way you're swinging the bat hard? Listen for it. Like, tell yourself you're going to listen for your bat. Every time I tell a kid that, and she swings it the first time, and you hear this, maybe this little, <laughs> and I said, okay, now make it, make that a little louder, and the second one will come in just a little more. And I said, you know, you have to kind of think about that and feel that. I said, we didn't have anything telling us, you know, if you could hear somebody swing the bat, and you're a catcher, and you heard somebody's bat speed, right? that was a, that was a heck of a hitter. But you That's know, really funny, because you, you think about that with golf. You know, KJ, my son's a golfer, and, and when he swings the club, there's a whoosh. Yes. When I swing it, there's a <laughs> You know, I used to love breaking a branch off a tree. Anything that was long and skinny yeah. would create that little that little sound yep. always. And That's so funny. obviously when you're going towards a bigger bat, but some of the old tricks of the trade from, from uh, yesteryear. Yeah. But uh, but anyways, yeah, the, the, the exit speeds, all the tests are a yeah. proven value. So you've got in the pocket Absolutely. what you need. And We've... Um, we we've tested a lot of college players and and i think this these are two great average little tidbits mm-hmm. um the average middle infielders and center fielders at the elite level the pac 12 sec big 10 big um 12 acc level they run that shuttle in 485 or faster four, we have, 485 yep Got we it. have not tested a middle infielder or center fielder um, who runs that shuttle um, slower than 485. Interesting. Yeah. Very good. And um, 
and, and and while a young player, you know, might run it a little slower than that, um, a lot of that depends upon her lower body strength, and that all obviously gets better as they mature and get to that level. Would you say 14s or 16s where it starts to, you find out where they're at, they're not... Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly in that mm-hmm. in that test. And they'll get even faster. I, I think a kid who goes to college running a five oh or a four nine or something is gonna be down around four eight, mm-hmm. four seven. Right. As right. as they gain right. that strength. Right. Um which all pretty much always happens in, yeah. in college. Yeah, but if you're running that shuttle in five three, you know, and playing shortstop, eh, right. you know, you might be moving to a corner. Slide it on over. Right. You know, right. and and that's fine. Right. Because well, I, what that is, is it's allowing it to go where it goes. Look at how many players at 16s and 18s, when I ask them, how many of you were shortstops at 10 and under yep. rec? And they all raise their hand. And how many yeah. of you were pitchers? And most of them raise their hand. Yeah. You just end up going where you need to be. Where you need to be. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And then the arm strength. The, the average D1 woman throws at 62, 63 miles an hour. Wow. And um, – so we can look at that a couple of ways. Our girl from NorCal thrown sixty six. I'll, yeah. I'll certify that kid as having a big arm. Yeah. And she was about five five. Yeah, she wasn't she that was big. Not very tall. Like, yeah, not very tall. And what would you say the average high schooler throwing velocity? The av- I can tell you exactly is fifty eight. Fifty eight. Yep. Okay. Now, now that's interesting. You bring that up because. While we've tested high school kids, we still tested elite high school kids. Right. So I think if you went over to Ocean View High School and just talked to somebody who wasn't a travel ball player, yeah, they'd probably throw it smaller. So So, higher end, right. Yeah, so 58 represents, you know, a solid travel ball. You use that as a standard or just a a, almost a, a goal or as an indicator and just kind of a general... Yeah. General indicator just gives you kind of something to shoot for. Absolutely. And th- then you take the the girl who's thrown at 52. Well, let's look at that 52. Are her mechanics bad? Yeah. If her mechanics are bad, then let's get to somebody and get that fixed. Yeah. If she's just young and small and, sh- you know, not strong yet, kind of weak. Right. But her mechanics are good. Well, you know, she's going to grow up and right. it's going to get better right. over time. But if you're throwing at 52. Yeah. You know, and you know that the high school average is forty um, fifty eight, and you know when you get to college, you got to be up in those sixties. Yeah. You know, um, you know, let's get to sure. work on that. Sure. And and there are programs out there. There are things that people can find. We're working on an educational model for for our players to you know how do I develop these things? How I you were know, right. talking earlier about the forty, you know, and for a player to understand your energy systems, you have that short term burst that you, yeah. you're sprinting for you know anywhere five to ten seconds. Right. You start getting past thirty seconds or twenty seconds, it's there are different types of energies, and so right. you know kind of understand how you train a little bit. I think that's uh, that's important. Um, you know, the testing, Derek, I think is. It's again, it's, it's, it's one piece of the pie, but it's becoming more and more, it's like, look how we see the strike zone now in baseball games. We, you know, we've always known the strike yeah. zone. Then they used to put the box up after yeah. the home runs. Yeah. Now the box up is, it's up the whole game. The whole game. How'd you yeah. like to be an umpire? Today? Yeah, I know it. I mean, it's up while you're making that do, call. Do those guys go back and watch the game? You think? I, how do they not? And how could oh, they, I, how I could would. they be comfortable knowing that? My gosh, Chuck, I've been doing this 33 years and yeah, I'm, I'm that, that human component of half a ball off. And yeah. I mean, you know, it's just part of the dynamic. But isn't that amazing how those hitters know when the ball's 
Yeah. An inch. I think that's something that's interesting is watching a hitter like Justin Turner for the Dodgers uh, is one of the few players that he puts his back foot right on the line. Like, you know, most hitters will give themselves that little space, you know, and he puts it right on the line and he hovers over that outside corner and he almost looks down, looks down on that ball right. as it's going. And you can see, he can almost see how it's a half a ball off the yeah. corner and he'll just look at that umpire every now and then he'll miss it. But yeah, I, 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 I think that's huge in knowing the strike zone is. I saw one guy in the Red Sox game because we did get to see that. Um, and the blue called a pitch a strike that was just, just outside you know, just off the yeah. plate. And the guy didn't say much. The hitter didn't say much. But he just kind of looked at him and he, and he said a little something. Yeah. And you knew he was right, yeah. you know. Um, but that just amazes yeah. me that they yeah. have such a great eye. Yeah, and the scrutiny nowadays is just crazy. Um, you know, talking about the game being more detailed and in, in indicators and numbers and, and times and speeds, you know, the the pitchers. You know, you, you get them out yeah. there and we line them up. And I think, you know, it's like we've got another event coming up this weekend. And I think, okay, yeah, you put radars on pitchers and 95% of them are going to fall into, so you correct me on this one, I'm going to say are going to fall into 57 to maybe 60. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just where they're yeah. at. And I want them to understand that their value doesn't come from this perpetual uh, goal of hitting 63 Right. You know, uh, at some point you have to know what you are, but what if we were able to show, you know, when we're showing these pitchers out there in the camp, show the speed of their first pitch, which might be 59. And then the next pitch at 53 and then the next pitch at 46, because that's just, that is more accessible to the m masses of pitchers right. that are, are not throwing as hard as they think. And they really feel a, a lack of value. Because they're right. always, am I throwing hard enough? That obsession with throwing right. hard enough. And in reality, this is not a, a cover-up. In reality, disrupting timing for the matter, uh, hitting your spots and locations and disrupting timing is the key oh, for, yeah. for, for any pitcher yeah. to be successful. And okay, if you fall into the one or two or 4% of that somebody that's doing something at a higher level, great. That's, there's your College World Series pitchers for the most right. part. Right. You know, but we're talking about the whole sport, Derek. We're talking about all of these young kids that enjoy playing the sport. And if you, are on, if you only feel value when you're in the 5 percentile, you right. know, we got to change something out. So that's just, I want some people to think about that as well uh, because I, I think the pocket radars are pretty accessible now. And I encourage our pitchers. You know, okay, work on your speed, but master changing speeds. Yeah, you know, it's really funny you bring that up because in our um, West Coast Elite Camp, a number of years ago, we had the great LSU pitcher, Allie Wall Jasper. Mm -hmm. And everybody used to criticize Allie because she was, you know, she was a pretty big kid, and um, but she only threw it 59. And then as she got good, she was up around 62, 63. Yeah. But we were at Mount Sac and... Um, she was pitching in the game and uh, in our camp, and I put the gun on her. And I, I, I tell you, Tony, she threw 10 pitches, and there wasn't one pitch that was the same speed. It was 59, 52, 56, I think that's huge, 61, huge. 46. And it kept jumping around, and, um, and it was just an eye-opener for me. How about that message to the um – uh, the good sized pitcher 
that, you know, everyone's expecting to throw 65, 66, and she doesn't. And so she feels even more displaced because there's an expectation. So let me throw this on top of that with the Allie Wall Jasper experience is uh, that kid with Haley Woods calling her uh, pitches uh, shut us out, I believe, which really didn't happen very often. Um, And she shut us out third round at winner's bracket nationals a few years ago, and, and, and they moved on. And all I could tell her afterwards was, that was amazing. I had a front row seat and yeah, you beat our team and that stung right. a little bit, but to watch the game that she threw and you know what? She, we, we had a trouble being on time with her and yeah. she was hitting her spots. And yep. I think that's another area again, that is head nodded understood, but in reality practice very, very little, right. very, very, very little. So, you know, yeah. so I guess that conversation for me is, yeah. is really people understanding the importance of accuracy and, and, and being able to change speeds. And because again, that pitchers, you know, you go out there and you know, your games that that's great, but how do we provide data for pitchers that can give value to the masses? You know, I feel like right, right now with that, it's almost like the, the two, six lefty or the two, seven lefty. And right. so many of them will put that on their profiles, but, right. but uh, having something that's standardized and knowing there's really not my experience, and then again, you're getting these numbers, but down the line, a 2-7 lefty is 15 out of 100. Rarely see that. 15, yeah. Yeah, we rarely see yeah, numbers yeah, like yeah. that. Uh, now, on profiles, you're going to see them on 85 out of 100, yeah. but I think, again, I think that's more information that people should, uh, that we need to provide for people so they can understand, basically, how to how to make sure you're timing right. them the right way. Right. Let's talk a little bit about this last weekend again. So, organizational challenge. Mm-hmm. Right in a few of a uh, pretty pretty strong brands, pretty strong names, you know. Yeah, coming I, in. I mean, I, I I think when you look at it, a few days later, you go, "Woo, yeah. that was a good group." Yeah, <laughs> and then asking those organizations to put some teams together, mm-hmm. which uh, you know, for us, per, uh, our experience is that we were able to do something different. I mean, it was a great right. experience for our kids, our coaches, kids playing with other kids from other teams, coaches coaching with other coaches from other yep. teams. Myself getting a little more interaction with people that I talk with generally a lot, but it was, it was really, really, really beneficial for our organizations and. Were you pretty happy with it? I mean, you started with some pro oh. play, and we got around some rain on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I was ecstatic. I mean, number one, just because it was unfortunate everybody else was rained out. Yeah. You know, and for some reason, the rains held it, held off at um, Rosetta Park. That was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but I, I thought the energy yeah. w- was tremendous. I, I, I thought it was great to see the different organizations with their different coaches, yeah. you know, working with these kids and – um, some kids who were familiar to them, other kids who were unfamiliar, sure. um, but in a high level, uh, competition, sure. uh, you know, I thought the workout went great. Um, the fungo guys did a great job. Yeah. That defensive field was, yeah. was humming. Kept it moving. Right. You know, and, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think it could have gone any better. And, uh, Do you find that some college coaches uh, found out they had a better time than they thought they were going to have? They, you yeah. Because you know, a lot of them hadn't been to that venue before. Yeah, they didn't know. Yeah. They didn't know. Um, there were a couple who um, kind of knew what we were doing, but, you know, we don't promote that right. all that much. And right. um, But the ones who were there were like, wow, this is really good. And, and one of the great, great coaches in this country came up halfway through Saturday and said, Derek, never change this. Nice. So, um, so nice. I think it's just going to get better and better. Yeah. In the years ahead. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, Derek. Yeah. And, 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 uh, was it Breakers and Monarchs in, in the final or? Breakers and Monarchs, two of the older yeah, teams. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. they they brought a little bit older squad, yeah. and um, we got we which got is our, good. our puppies got an education from Brant Bordeaux and and, and Breakers. You know, yeah, he's but, he's a, he's an unsung hero in to me in Sopel because yes, I feel yes. like he's unappreciated. Um, let, let me take that back. Unrecognized, unrecognized because he's yeah. a guy that doesn't market himself. He doesn't push himself out there. But I tell people, you see this guy out there with that white beard. Let me just tell you something. You watch everything he does. He's one of the smartest guys in softball. Yeah. He really is. And he does a great job coaching. Yeah. And he had that. He get, got the best out of that drop ball pitcher. You might know her name, but oh, yeah. uh, best out of her. And our young little eighth grade puppies got a little education from Brant. Yeah, but your, your young yeah. kids did a good job. They were fun. Yeah. I tell you, they got deeper than I thought they would. Yeah, they were they, they were fun. You know what they had is is kind of what you would expect. Um, you know, the, I guess the term is that a lot of them were kind of full of piss and vinegar. They were they were very very feisty, very fiery. Right. Um, didn't back down from the moments, but at times didn't know what to do with the moment. Right. You know, right. and they were kind of attacking it with fire and and. But that's to me, that's what you want to see. Right. When you're watching, you know, absolutely some of the, some of the young. I mean, you had some good players out there. Yeah, it was fun, Derek. There were. It Whoa. was fun. Yeah. Oh, you had some real good kids. And And we're not, our, our major push with this organization isn't to extract the best players, put them on the best team, and win a championship as a priority. Yes, we're competitive, and yes, we compete for championships, but we are a culture-based organization. So you had mentioned the energy at this event, and I describe it as this event on its first time around had a culture already. There was a feeling, there was a vibe, Thanks. and it wasn't an, uh, an accident. There was a certain right. approach by you know those that created the event, and I want to say a lot of us that came in in our relationship. So I think together, because anytime you do something – for the first time, even if the weather's great, there's problems, you know, and, but it's all right. to me, how you handle those problems, how you, uh, mention those problems. I mean, I can't give enough credit to the triple crown staff, Jeff, yep. uh, Doyle, the, the, uh, UIC with umpire, the, the crew at Rosetta Canyon, Ooh, Eric, that, yeah. that was, they were amazing. They were amazing. They were truly amazing. I mean, you just don't see that type of, um, commitment. I, the, the calmness from Jeff to me was 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 critical to the success of this event because he would just walk up and you know rather than us see his stress for everything that was going chaotic because right. that's just what they do they put out right. fires but I thought that that was seamless and yeah. uh, and you know that ground ground crew was out there at four thirty in yeah, the morning yeah um, Eric was out there lights were on and he was working on that first Amazing. field. Yeah. So we could get it rolling. We're going to set him up with some firecracker gear th yeah. this weekend. You know, <laughs> so this weekend we've got another, we've got an exclusive event or a first time event. It's the Batbuster firecracker yeah, uh, deal. And, and we've got the, they got the camp in the morning with on deck measurements as, as a station in that camp. And then we're going to be following with a couple of games for each team, you know, um, First time event, uh, there's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be some some mm -hmm. things that we're going to love, some things obviously we're going to learn from, but I'm really, really excited about that. And what I was thinking of is uh, we met with Eric um, probably a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. and asked him, you know, what time we could get out there. And he said, you, you let us know. I mean, he's willing right. to meet us as early as we need. And you just, what time are you gonna you just don't there? hear that. Uh, Natalie, who's going to set up the, the, the event, she's probably going to get out there at five, five thirty, And okay. then I, I think I'm going to hit six o'clock just to make sure, get everything yeah. kind of pre-set up, have the most of the staff in by six thirty-seven, And then yeah. we got the hour of registration. So, yeah, I think ODM is going to be there right around six to start yeah. setting up. Yeah. Cause we roll at eight, right? We roll at eight. And you're going to do, while the kids are warming up, you're going to do your quick talk to the parents and kind yes. of give them a, give yeah. them a little deal. So, yeah, so we're really excited about that, that, that coming up this week. And this gave us two weeks of kind of some outside of the box events. Yeah. I tell you, 
again, you know, I mean, I don't like to drop names, so I, I just don't. But one of the great coaches in the Pac-12 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. said she is so excited for this weekend. Yes. Because she'll get to see a lot of Batbusters and Firecrackers. Yeah. And, you know, when you go to regular events, you kind of chase the Batbusters and Firecrackers. Mm -hmm. And to have them all in one venue over the course of 48 hours. Right. You know, that excites the college right. coach. Right. Well, and that's, that's as you attended our, one of our get togethers and kind of the uh, uh, starting points of this vision. And that it really is, it's a non agenda, you know, to the industry. It's, that's not the purpose. It's, it's, it's really to, to take our experience and the success of our organizations mm -hmm. and then combine them, you know, for the success of our organizations. Absolutely. Uh, you know, if it, it branches out to the softball community, great, but it's really about just facilitating the needs of our people and working with people that we have good relationship right. with and providing something just, just a little different. You know, I think that that's important. We, I think it's important to participate in a lot of things that are out there. It's not about that, but it was a breath of fresh air last week. Yeah. Wasn't it? It was. I mean, we had a blast. Yeah. And we, we had never really done that before. And I could see that on the faces of some of the college coaches. Yeah. They were watching with a different type of, um, not intent, but they were watching with a different type of uh, behavior. Right. And so. Uh, I mean, there were 208 uncommitted kids yeah. out there running around. And they got to see them work out a little bit. Then they got to see them play competitively. Yes. You know, and. And that trophy was beautiful that Travis got, awesome. Travis Gotsemeyer. And, you know, the Monarchs get to take it home, and then they Good have to him. bring it back next Do they? Next yeah. year, yeah. yeah. They get their name inscribed in it or something? Yeah, or just, and he's yeah. going to put their, all the kids' names on there. That is great. And um, and that was was Coach Jeff co coaching that team, or were there Blanco? Yeah. 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 Good, good for Jeff him. Jeff Blanco, yeah. yeah. That's so, big for the organization. Absolutely. They did a good job. Like I said, yeah. they're a little older. Yeah. You know, but, but that's cool. That's okay. And um, they're uncommitted. They had the needs. They right. And I'm sure some of those other organizations are going to come back with pretty stellar groups sure. next year. Well, yeah, I, I, I think him. some that maybe are uh, pretty competitive and maybe didn't finish, and maybe that wasn't their priority. But um, I, I think everybody learned. You know, right. definitely second time around, it'll be uh, it'll be great. Uh, yeah, you know, back, up a little back bit. to Brent Batto. Um, that that guy's always got players down there with the breakers. He's always good. I mean, it, it's for years really upon years, years upon years. You know, you I never really said anything when you brought him up, yeah. but, but he's he's one of the great gentlemen in this game. He's a guy that you don't realize. You know, he's looking at you, and, and competitively, he's he's cutting your artery here, he's cutting your artery there, <laughs> yes. he's doing this, and you don't. You know, if yep. you're not careful, you don't realize he's basically getting your team to do just what he wants. What he wants. And, yeah. and you have to really watch everything he does because I'm a, I tell our players, it's, it's, it's one thing to know how the car works when you're driving, but it's more important to know what the other drivers are doing. That's what, that's what <laughs> tends to keep you alive. And that's, true. that's really the, the insight that I try to give our players as, as well. Uh, this week, what we're going to do a little different format is um, the camp's going to go from eight o'clock in the morning till around noon. And okay. we're going to mix all the Batbuster and Firecracker players together, wow. and they're all going to run through all camps. So we're not going to we're not going to divide it into a Firecracker camp for Firecracker players and Batbuster right. camp over here. You know, this was per request of a couple of college coaches too. Why don't you put them all together? Right. And and I love the influence of because there's there's ethical ground that that Mike and I stand on, which means, you know, you can pass a fire, firecracker through Batbusterville and Batbuster through Firecrackerville and you're not going to get the slimy coach going, hey, so you're happy over there? Or, Here's <laughs> what I can do for you. Or we're wearing this right. or that. I mean, that that's, I think, one of the most right. exciting parts of this relationship is the respect and the um, ethics 
that we agree on. Right. And so I'm excited to have our players yep. in their hands. And so they're going to run through five stations of uh, Batbusters, Firecrackers, and on-deck measurements. And then, Yeah, I, I think it's a great moment for yeah. softball. You know, too often we're a little bit fractured in the sport. And um, and that's not necessary because it's all good people in the sport. I yeah. mean, I mean, believe me, and all well, all well, all well intended people. Yeah. <clears throat> and let's say, <clears throat> excuse me, let's say there might be some practices that, and for whatever reasons, it's another conversation of why certain sports and whether it's money involved or different things and and politics and ethics and things. But I I tell our people especially parents and coaches, we can point the finger at each other and we can blame each other and we can badmouth each other. And a lot of that's been done over and over and over. Or we can look at the fact that we're with all the people that make mistakes. I can tell you, and I'm trying to think maybe one or two people that were malicious right. or had, a, you know, right. maybe a criminal mindset, but 99 point something percent are you're dealing with people that, are just make mistakes. So, right. you know, are they stealing money or do they mismanage money? Those are two different things, right? right? Is, does he not care about kids or did he uh, slip and use profanity at the wrong time? So, you know, to lump them all in with the murderers and the, you right. know, I think that, right. that we, we have to understand. And then on the parents' end of it, you know, I don't think parents um, mean to apply undue pressure on their kids. Right. You know, very quick to to right. to judge the coaches and the, and the, and the people that their kids are in, in their hands. But... I believe that when you're talking about finances in front of your kids, you don't know. I, I mentioned this. I said, you don't know if your daughter is going to be okay with hearing that you can't afford the camp that she needs to go to. Right. One kid's going to be okay. She just understands that's what we're going through. Another one will feel like I'm causing this on my parents. Right. And in today's age of kind of emotional wellness priorities and different things like that, I said, if we as parents and coaches can realize that if we work together and when something right. breaks, rather than point the finger at each other, let's help each other and yeah. let's build it. So we leave something behind so that the next set of parents, the next generation come up and they have something to step into instead of more arrows, right. hatchets, tomahawks and, right. and scalps laying all over the place. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the parents are wonderful, you know, yeah. at every single one of our tryouts, cause we have these tryouts to get into our events. I, I talk to the parents and I yeah. say, Hey, you know, um, 99% of parents are great. 1% are crazy. Yeah. And they all laugh, you know, and probably a few more are crazy than 1%. Yeah. But I think they just need direction. Yeah. Because without direction, what, what would we do? We don't know what to do. So sometimes it gets crazy. Sometimes it's judgmental, but, but, but the bottom line is they love their daughter. Yeah. You know, and you have to respect that. And, oh, absolutely. And, um, and I think it's okay to put your arm around a crazy parent and say, hey, hey you're crazy. Well, empathy goes a long way. Yeah, let's change up here a little and sure, figure this out so it works. I think when you've had that finger pointed at you and told this, you know, that's that's an obvious approach. I think when, 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 when an experienced dad can come by and give him a pat on the back and go, hey, I can remember almost every time that happened to me. Hey, hey, hey. Right. You okay? Like, you don't, you don't need to listen. Just listen. You don't yeah. need to. That, that calm voice of just... You kind of turn back, and I can remember some some key points in my life of someone just coming up and going, "Hey, absolutely," you know, asking me if everything's okay, and then me yelling, "Yeah," and then realizing, "No, everything wasn't okay," and then right. I need a little. We all need our checks and balances. Yeah, absolutely. You married yours, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, she's pretty good with that too. Derek, this time just flies by, and uh, you know we, we're going on an hour of this already, but I want wow. to make sure that we covered everything. We covered our events, a little bit of the history, our our relationship. I mean, it goes back quite a few years and, you know, which is, yep. you know, again, uh, building relationships and understanding 
why people do what they do and collaborate and connecting, I, I really encourage people to network. You know, mm -hmm. find people that you're compatible with. Uh, you know, don't take the obvious approach across the field and, and every organization's the bad guy or, right. you know, every parent's the, or every coach is the bad person, but just take a different approach and, and build relationships because last weekend was an example. Everything you do in your business is an example of the strength of the relationship. Thanks. I tell people it gives you a bottom layer. And then when this competitive layer on top fills in the space, mm -hmm. you have something that's much deeper. Right, right, absolutely. And I just can't encourage people enough uh, about that. So You know, but I, I want to br bring something up now mm -hmm. that you just brought to mind. Um, at, in one of the key games last weekend, um, somebody was playing Brashear's team, Sean's team. Mm -hmm. And it was a close game. I think the bases were juiced or something. Mm -hmm. And somebody hit a rocket down to third. And the third baseman made an outstanding play and doubled off the runner on first. And Sean, like, applauded the play, yeah. you know. And, wow, that's pretty caught cool. Caught your eye. Oh, it absolutely caught my eye. And I don't know the exact circumstances, but I stood up there thinking, wow, that's pretty cool, you know, that Sean applauded that great play, and even that, though it cost him the win, probably. Know, and, and I don't care who it is, but the fact that it's, 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 it's our vice president, you know, that just warms my heart for our, our, well, for our industry because I, that's an example of that behavior. Yeah, I also think that... Um, that's a hallmark of firecracker softball. Yeah. Well, for anyone that's aware of Sean's success and what's happening with him, and we work very hard to empower him and, and give him the platform that he's earned, but it's not an accident. Right. It's not the, you know, uh, we say F yourself, just put it on and carry yourself a certain way and create. And he has invested into everything that we believe, it, you know, holds true. In this office, this office a lot of times is like a it's like a mental operating room when I get families in here and players mm -hmm. in here and their, their experience is broken. Their they to some degree is broken. Mm -hmm. I reassure them at the beginning of the meeting in here that all I'm going to do before I even hear their story, I guarantee all I'm going to do is I'm going to wash the crud off them. I'm going to listen to what's went, what they've went through in softball. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take my hose and wash it all mm -hmm. off. Right. And there's going to be this beautiful young woman that has played this game six, eight, 10, 12 years. Right. She's not connected to her experience. She's not connected to her, her mastery. She keeps waiting for things to go wrong and wanting to correct herself. Um, if we have something, I could say this even for you, if we have something that people see as, as wow, you know, whether it's uh, uh, the relationships or respect or the success with the business, and then they ask, well, what goes into it? And so right behind you on your right shoulder, can you turn? And you don't, you don't need to actually read it, but you see that yellow piece of paper? Yeah. That is a recipe yeah. for a happy household that my mom wrote for my really? niece when she bought her first house. And my mom uh, lived to see her 90th year, or 91st year, but died at 90. And last Christmas, our niece gave us copies of that wow. for Christmas. And, um, and so I tell people, I said, do you want a good team? You want to run a good organization, you want to have a good relationship, you want a good household, read that recipe. And wow. it's like the secrets of, of being a successful coach. It's not glamorous. Right. It's not technological. It's not like, you know, you know, all the, the bells and whistles. <laughs> it's, um, right. I think it says something like two cups of patience, um, four cups of love, um, you know, right. uh, mix with, mix with this and you'll have a happy household. Right. Ultimately, Derek, that's still the core basis from happiness, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, coaching basketball, you know, that's a little rougher. You know, yeah. you coach guys and guys yeah. are a little edgy yeah. and, and all that. Um, the young women, you know, they're 
incredible athletes. They're selfless athletes. Um, they have a sense of team that escapes many, many young men. Very good point. And, um, and, and so when you talk about hosing off the residue and all, yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I think most young women in this game um, are in, that, in the game for things that are very noble, that is a society you know, we would applaud. They all started for the right reasons. They absolutely. I tell them all right away. I said, I apologize to you. And they look at me and I said, and, and, and not for anybody personally, but I apologize for all of us who are well-intended that weren't certified or trained to provide experiences that you can continue to enjoy. So the right. fact that the depression rate is as high as it is in D1 softball players now, I think it was 30%, you know, right. the anxiety levels that are so high, right. the suicide rates that are so much higher. And and so when we look at it, I said, it's almost like we took you to the playground and you started playing on the slides and then we started telling you how to slide faster and we started telling you how to swing higher and then we started getting upset when you didn't get a turn and we started getting upset when you didn't slide fast right. enough and we changed the playground for you. And now here you are in the playground that you originally went because you loved and you'd right. be at the park and now you're sitting there and you're waiting to be yelled at or you're waiting this for this critic or this this self-criticism as you said um the way the young female's mind works there's an attachment to i don't want to disappoint people for so Absolutely. many of my dad yeah. you know the team uh the worst fear is striking out letting people down i mean it's the worst fear for a right. player but men are just different you know to yeah. to our oldest day we we still think we can. We have a nice looking shot, or we can still swing the bat. But that's. I think that's important for people to understand because I'm often empathizing with our dads and saying, "Look, when you learn to talk to her the way you do with your wife about maybe a maybe a dinner that didn't come out perfect, but you're not going to say anything. Right. Or she bought a dress that maybe you're not, but you're not going to say anything. Right. And then somehow right. in softball, it's like let right. her have it. Let her let her let her know what we think of the shot or this or that. But you know that's usually because they love them and they want them. Oh, absolutely, it's best for them. Absolutely, I, you know. Again, that's one of those bridges in here. <laughs> if I ask a young lady, "What's your greatest source of stress in softball?" and I was kind of surprised when this was happening at first, but she would go right here. She go him, yeah, and yeah. just point right at him. And to the dad, yeah. it's just like oh, right here. Yep. And I said, "Okay, wait a minute." She didn't mean it like that. She right. just answered my question. So like when you tell her, you know, you're dropping your shoulder and what were you doing? We worked on that. You didn't mean it. Right. But she took it like that yeah. of her hitting. I said, you know, like I said, if you tear down her, her dinner that she cooked last night, she's going to take it as she doesn't cook good. So right. I said, just use that. All I did was create a little balance. So the next time in that car ride home, understand the approach, because I guarantee you, we, you can tell me I don't have a good swing. I'm going to tell you, you're, you're a knucklehead. You don't know anything about a swing. But tell me I'm not a good dad. And then the fear of knowing what we aren't as parents or we, where we fall short, right. oh, that that hits a guy right where it hurts. Oh, man, I'll never forget. We had just moved out to Texas where I had gotten a job at Stephen F. Austin. And um, our youngest daughter uh, was a catcher. And I was a little crazy. And I, I can picture it right, right now, Tony. But um, there was a play at the plate. And it didn't go her way or whatever. And um, I went a little sideways, mm -hmm. you know, yelling and kind of acting stupid. Um, we got in the car and our daughter said, it was kind of quiet. And she goes, Dad, I don't ever want to see you do that again. Oh, my. Talking about that dagger. Yeah. I spent the rest of her career of travel ball in high school watching from left field yeah. 
just because I didn't want that sure, anxiety that and that tension, you know, because right, right. I couldn't handle sure, it, obviously. Sure, sure. And I obviously wanted to respect her decision. And she was able to say something. You know and what? A lot, a lot of them yeah. can't. Yeah. yeah. And I think, Derek, that's part of what I want people to hear as well, too. That's part of your story. Part of my story. Are you kidding me? Anybody that grew up with me, and not that there'd be anybody in elementary school that listens to this, but we just go, well, let me tell you about Tony Rico in elementary school. He'd punch you in the arm if you didn't kick the ball hard enough. Or, right. You know, so that's right. all part of our story that goes into it, which I yeah. think is why we relate to people that when they're, when they're still learning. Yeah. Hey, we're going to finish up with a, a, some, I call it some kind of fun questions to kind of get you to know you a little okay. bit. These are really easy. All, all right. right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. just kind of, kind of roll with me on this one. I could pick out some easy ones for you. All right. So uh, on a scale from one to 10, how strict were your parents? Eight. And eight, both mom and dad? Um, dad was probably nine. Mom might've been a seven. Nine a seven. Still yeah. pretty, pretty high. They were pretty strict. Yeah, pretty yeah. high standards. Yeah. I, we couldn't get away with much. Yeah. All right. Uh, and they, they knew where we were. And did that stay with you or did you... Uh, yeah, it's just kind of you always kept your own kind of borders yeah. and my, my dad, boundaries. My dad passed away in two thousand nine, and um, my mom's still alive at ninety two. But mm-hmm. yeah, I I still think she would reprimand me if I did yeah. something that yeah. she yeah. didn't approve of. Yeah, I I I'd say definitely with my behavior. Um, what was your favorite toy growing up? I know I'm taking you back a couple of decades. Um, my basketball. Your basketball. I, my absolutely. I, so I went down what, to the ball or to the park all the time by myself. So there was a park you went in and had a hoop because some of us yeah. just shot on the side of our garage or hit oh, the roof. Oh, we had that too. We had a dirt court in the back. Yeah. And we had a we had a dirt court in the back with a 10-foot hoop. And we had a um, another hoop on the back porch, like on the slab, you know, um, that was right. only, you know, probably six or eight. Which you enjoyed growing up, though, right? As, oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And sure. then I thought I was Pete Maravich, so that's a blast from the past. There you go. So I'd yeah. go down to the schoolyard and throw behind the back passes and yeah. to try to hit the pole on the fence. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Was that your favorite player? Yeah. 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 Pistol Pete yeah. was Pistol my guy. Pistol Pete. Yep. I remember. I'm, yeah. I'm there. I'm there with you. Um, here's one to think about. Well, you know, the question is, if you could only eat two foods for the rest of your life, what would they be? Oh man! So go into your favorite foods, like your, your like birthday, and you get to choose any, any, foods. yeah. And not what your doctor says you can and can't have. Yeah, let's right, not right. let's forget that because we're I'm at an age now that, that that's limited. Yeah. So dishes or yeah, foods? What are your weaknesses? Uh, either what pops in your head first? Well, you know, I was a Dr Pepper fanatic for years, and All then right. four years ago I gave up soda. Oh man! How you doing? I'm doing well, but it's now good. it's like I don't want to break the streak. Yeah. It has yeah, nothing to sure. do with, you sure, know, so sure. I'm kind of irritated with myself right. for that. Okay, but commendable. But, but um, And how about a food? I tell you, um, from down in the south, there's a dish, crawfish crawfish etouffee. Oh, man. You what's, could set, what's the etouffee? What's the? It's a sauce <laughs> with a roux, and it's kind of a smoky uh-huh. thing with crawfish. You know, they use crawfish for bait out here. Uh-huh. They eat it. It's a delicacy know, down, there. It's a delicacy yeah. down yeah. south. Yeah. You know, so is that something you find when you head into the south? Oh, man. I look for it. Yeah. I look for it, and I eat a lot of is it. Is there a particular place? Yeah, Papado's, which is a chain restaurant right. down there. You know, and I'm not big on chain restaurants. Sure, but sure. They're crawfish etouffee. Right. Ooh. Excellent. There you go. That's, yeah. what we, that's what we wanted to hear. If you could live in a, if you had to live in a different state, where would it be? You know, as I get older, Arizona. 
There you go. Just because I want to get a little warmer. You know, well, you're still up in Lake Tahoe. We're so. up at Lake Tahoe. It gets cold. Does that mean you're still are you shoveling? The, we have, we have the big snowblower, but go. we have to shovel some. Sure. We had 14 feet in our front yard. Sure. 14 feet of wow. snow in our front yard two years ago. Wow. We're yeah. hoping our December first event in Florida is going to be uh, going to get some of our Northeast and some of our colder weather firecracker teams down there and yeah. spend a little time in Florida in the I tell you, in December. Arizona's green grass and flowers in February are pretty sweet. Yes, and their sunsets are the best. And their sunsets there, they're, are they're absolutely amazing. Yeah. Derek, what's your favorite time of the day? Um, I'm kind of into that evening. You know, when, I, when things I have, are done. Yeah, I have great memories of um, the sun setting and you know being on the golf course or being out and about and kind of that. You know, as the day is kind of winded down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moments. Nice. So. I like it. Um, what food could you never bring yourself to eat? So the opposite end of that spectrum. Something you wouldn't try if I put in front of you. And oh man, if you haven't seen me, I don't eat. I I eat pretty much everything. Do you? So nothing. Um, you're not. No, I couldn't eat like tongue, or something like Good that. For you, all right. Yeah, so you're I, not. I you're not that. that. All right. Yeah. Okay, we got a couple more here. What are your pet peeves? Any pet peeves? I'm sure you do. Oh man. Um, when people. Yeah. yeah, I I think when people are inconsiderate of others um you know and it doesn't matter who that is um i i remember stopping a father one time who was whacking his little son you know um this was up at lake tahoe and um they came out of a store and he was just whacking on that kid and i just stepped in and said hey man you know we can't be doing that yeah and um so you know i i I think you have to be considerate to people. Yeah. And, I, you know, there have been times when I haven't been, obviously. Sure. We all are. Well, but, I mean, we're all human. But but as yeah. far as the things that, you know, for me, I'd say that's the one thing that, especially for my mother, is uh, I will, I will, I'm more likely to not conduct myself very well if I see someone not treating someone else right. very nice, you know. And, uh, and I, I think people need to feel secure and safe. Yeah. And, um when I was teaching, and even when I was coaching, I had no tolerance for um, those who maybe tried to dominate or others or, or right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, create situations where they intimidated others. Yeah, yeah. Um, that bothered me. Yeah. So but I think that's 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 how our community works, though, in, in creating balance, right? When some, a certain type of person sees something, then we, you know, I think that's that's another way that I've described kind of what we're doing to the Batbusters is just we're looking to help create balance yeah. to, to, for our organizations to things because things can get a little bit skewed. So, right. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received, would you say? It could be a coach, your parents. Um, could have been from your daughter. <laughs> Okay, so um, yeah, I, yeah, the one from my daughter was that was pretty good advice from a ten year old. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a book by a, a Earl Red Blake, I think. From he was a general at West Point, mm-hmm. and um, I read the book because it was part of a thing I was writing about Bobby Knight and. I was studying, mm-hmm. you know, philosophy and all that. Mm-hmm. And there was a line in that that um, 
that I really believe in. Um, evidently, when Earl Red Blake, I think it was Blake, yeah, it was a plea, but West Point, um, one of the big generals mm -hmm. came and took over West Point because it was in a little bit of disarray, like the mm -hmm. paper, student mm -hmm. paper was publishing stuff mm -hmm. that was critical of the Army. Mm -hmm. and um, You know, it was a little rowdy. Right. And so this general came in, and the first thing he did was he abolished the paper. And what, what the guy said in his book was what he learned from that was, quote-unquote, precipitous action, whether right or wrong, always establishes command. And um, I've never forgot that. I, I, I think I read that and learned that. It's the first time I've heard that one. Yeah, back when, shoot, back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. You know, so that line has stuck with me mm -hmm. for probably 40 years, mm -hmm. 35 years. And, um, and that's just that decisiveness that you just, you know, if there's something you want to do, you just got to go for it. So I think that's a really good, it's a good way to transition to the last thing I'm going to ask you. And that is, so we could take that statement and advise our coaches that are coaching these teams, because some of them are on this end of that, a little too much, some of them are on that end of it. But ultimately, it, you're a decision maker, you're a manager of people. Yes. And make the decision and then go with it. And, and if you screw it up, then admit it. Own it. Yeah, own it and change and, you know, don't stick with it, obviously. But, um, yeah, own it, admit to it, and make yourself better. Because when your your people in your operation see that you are of sound mind or you're a sound decision maker, they don't question nearly as much. Right. But they will pick up on you immediately if you're strong-arming them or if you're not very decisive. Right. And, and, and softball people are proactive. So if yeah. you're not decisive, they're going to kick gonna, in your cockpit door. Absolutely. They're going to fly your plane. And I, th I think there's a lot of ways to get things done yeah. out there in the world. I, I think so much depends upon people's personality and, you know, all those sorts of things. So, so I think there are avenues out there, but um, I think it's important you pick an avenue and, and you go for it yeah. and, uh, and see what happens. And find out what works for you. Yep. Right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. It was great. At the end of the event, um, walking, I think I was walking in my car close to it. I saw Joanne on, on the walkway on the way out and she had a big smile and she felt, uh, it just seemed like she was so happy with the event, you know, yeah. last week. And the fact that you experience this together, you know, so you're, you're compatible, but you have this business and it's just, you know, from my end of it, Derek, it is just beautiful to watch. I mean, I watched well, my parents uh, were married 51 years before my dad passed, but it's, that's something that I, I, you know, in my business, I talk to people a lot about, I wish there were more compatibility courses for our kids and, and right. even a course in decision-making. If I went to my own curriculum, it would probably be decision-making and then compatibility and, you know, right. uh, definitely financial <laughs> decision-making. There are just different things like that. But uh, it's been really, really great to watch and be Thanks. friends with both of you. And uh, obviously so proud to see everything that you're doing. And, and we as an industry are kind of growing together because right. it's, it's fun to see people next to you. Right. You well, know. you know, there's a couple things. Joanne stays in the background. I don't mind getting out there and yeah. talking and yeah. doing things like this. And she tends to stay in the background. So, um, but Derek and Joanne in, yeah. in our, in our culture go together. It's not yeah, like, absolutely. you know, who's, jo who's Joanne? I don't think right. anybody's no, nobody say that. says that. Yeah. Nobody says yeah, that. Nobody says that, but it's nice to see you recognize that. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a couple people, only a couple 
um, and I, I mean a couple, mm-hmm. um, who recognized what Joanne and I were trying to do years and years ago and, um, and embraced it and, and probably embraced it not because of the product, because there was no product, because probably because of the it. people. Right. And, um, and that was Tony Rico on deck would not be on deck, um, without Tony Rico yeah. well, and the fire I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. And all that was, Derek was supporting good people, right. whatever came of the business, <laughs> you know, if on deck would have fell on its face, there would right. have been no difference in our relationship yeah. other than there, right. you know, less of a, of a business, you know, connection right. with it. But it really is. I, and I guess let's, we're, we'll, we'll end the podcast with that, that, that ultimate message to people is build relationships, be good people. Now, you know, with all the glitz and glamour of what you think you're chasing, right? So trying to win a championship for coaches in our position or trying to get your kid recruited right. and, and the worry and the stress that goes with camps. Are they watching? Did anybody like us? There weren't enough coaches on the, you know, pull back. You're in good hands. Yep. You know, there's a reason why On Deck has the credibility that it has. There's a reason why certain organizations have the reputation and the sustainability that they have. You're in good hands. Our job is to continue to get better for you uh, as families and um, for our families and continue to learn and, and lead them the right way and guide them. Um, you know, I'm in a different position, but I love the responsibility of it. And I overall, I'm extremely proud to be part of this oh, industry with you and, and so many other good people. And so, um, after this, uh, this weekend's event, uh, any downtime, you're probably heading somewhere right away, aren't you? Oh yeah. We're up to Northern California and then out to Vegas. Um, that's right. For our elite camp, and, right. which is going to be fabulous. That right. lineup of kids, oh, yeah. man, really, really good. And then out to Chicago and Arizona. Yep. And then a little downtime for yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, that's convention, of course. Yeah, in Chicago, but then um, it slows down a little bit after yeah, that. Yeah, we love Christmas. The yeah. Alistair family yeah. loves Christmas. Yeah, so. good. How do you not? Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Well, Derek, thank you. Thanks for thank coming you, in. Tony. Always Thanks. a really pleasure. Thanks for everything. And that looking you do. forward to a great weekend this weekend. Okay, thank All right. you. All right. You Thanks for care. listening, everybody. Thank you. Bye.